0: going, guys? It is good to be here, good to be back home. I know that there's uh, some of you that may not know know me. Um, There's a lot of unfamiliar faces, so that's a good thing. But uh, I have been here, I've been connected with uh, Zion and Jim and Mary since 2010. So uh, we are very excited to be partnered with them and uh, be here this morning. So um, don't you just love when the worship team like helps you prepare your message? I just love it. Sean says amen. Um, well, I want to talk. Uh, I just felt this theme through all of worship and kind of just switch some things up of what I was going to share this morning. Uh, but I want to talk about our narrative, the story that we tell ourselves about situations. And a lot of times, you know we're experiencing breakthrough in an in a area or a situation or a circumstance because of the declarations or the story or the narrative that we tell ourselves about it. A lot of times we don't experience breakthrough in certain scenarios and situations because of the narrative that we tell ourselves. And here's the thing is that your destiny does not hinge on a hopeless story. Your destiny is not... Tacked at the end of a hopeless narrative. And so oftentimes when you want to step into a new realm in God, when you want to step into breakthrough, when you want to step into what God has called you to be in, the, in a fuller measure, you've got to change your story. You've got to change the narrative that you're telling yourself over those, over those situations, over those circumstances. The power of your story. All of us have stories. All of us have A narrative that we tell ourselves. All of us have a our testimony, so to speak, but there's also uh, the times when we go through pain, the times when we go through trials and tribulations, the times when we've been persecuted, and and even as 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 things happen to us as young children, you know, we begin to create a narrative about our lives. Is this is this true? We begin to create a narrative about our lives, and oftentimes the, the narrative is not fully accurate. If you want to know if your, if your narrative is really accurate, ask someone who was there. Because, uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, my wife and I, one of our love languages is sarcasm. It doesn't work for everyone, but it works for us. And, you know, if we're together and we're trying to tell a story, it's like, you know, I will probably exaggerate it in a good way. And uh, and she'll probably exaggerate it in the other way, and you know. So we're trying to tell a story, and it ends up being like this jumbled mess. And and so uh, you know, as a as a good husband, I just say, you go ahead and tell it, babe. We're coming up on uh, ten years next month, so we're very excited. I love my wife. Um, but, but we tell ourselves a, a narrative, a story and, and I may remember our wedding day one way but my wife when she tells it she remembers a, a whole lot of other things that I don't remember the same thing with our testimonies the same thing with, with the pain that we've went through if you tell yourself a hopeless narrative you will breed hopelessness in your life think about this, the man who was at the pool of Bethesda, he was lame for 38 years and he laid beside a pool for 38 years. And when Jesus asked him, you know, hey, what's going on, man? What's going on? And the man who was lame for 38 years said, you know, every time the water stirs, I really want to get in. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be lame, but there's nobody here to help me. And so he tells himself a story. In my mind, I'm thinking in 38 years, you could have rolled, you could have rolled in there. Obviously, there's grace and Jesus you know, healed him in an instant. But think about for 38 years, we're wasted because he told himself a story that nobody's there to help him. I can't get breakthrough because there's nothing. There's nobody here to help me. And so there was a story, there was a narrative that he told himself that, that this is hopeless, this pointless. Uh, I, I'm I'm just killing time here. So we got to change our story. You guys okay? Another another narrative, another story that I find interesting is uh, th- many of us know it. Uh, the woman with the issue of blood. Uh, she had an issue of blood for twelve years. And here's the narrative, here's the story, here, here's, here's how it plays out. She says that she went to all these doctors and there was no healing. They couldn't do anything. She spent all of her money and there was nothing. She, she tried religion. Religion said that they, she was unclean and she was not to even touch any single person. So religion wasn't helping her. The doctors weren't helping her. Her money wasn't helping her. And so she had lived in a cycle of a narrative for 12 years because of a narrative of hopelessness. Because she was a victim of her circumstances. And anytime you're a victim of your circumstances, you tell yourself a hopeless narrative. Anytime you're a victim of your circumstances, you tell yourself a hopeless narrative. But what happened when she changed her story? The scriptures actually say that she said to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. Actually when you look that up in the original language, it actually means that she didn't just say it once, she said it over and over and over and over. She began to declare to herself that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch the hem of his garment sometimes to delete the old story you have to declare the new one sometimes to delete what you have been told your whole life that you're a failure that you'll never amount to anything that business idea will never work sometimes those little whispers that the enemy uh whispers into our ears will cause us to create a narrative that we could never do that because of this And we put so much power into our narratives and our stories, and it's it's you know it actually becomes a hindrance if we tell ourselves a hopeless story. I could never start this business because of this, because of my story, because of what I've been told, what I've went through. There's no history of business owners in my family. The you know I don't have the money. uh, Yada yada yada. You fill in the blanks of all of the excuses, all of the stories, all the narratives we've been told. But to break into that new realm, you've got to change your story. You've got to change your declaration. She told herself over and over and over, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. So your breakthrough and your destiny does not live at the end of a hopeless narrative. As Sean said during uh, declarations, the power of life and death is in your tongue. It's an amazing thing that God has given us, the power of life and death in our tongue, the power to declare life in a situation and the power to declare death in a situation. And so that hopeless narrative, that thing that we're complaining about is actually what we're speaking into that situation. But if we begin to change your story, if we begin to, to infuse hope and, and begin to declare the possibilities, the opportunities, the potential, if we begin to declare that, we actually attract it. I'm trying. When we play ourselves a hopeless narrative about a situation or a circumstance, we actually push opportunity away. We push opportunity away. Opportunity will walk by you and you will say, "That's not for me." Opportunity will walk by you, and you'll push it away and say, "That's not for me." And here, here's why we push opportunity away is because it's not familiar. A lot of people say that fear is the antagonist of faith. And I believe that to a degree. But I think even more so, I think that familiarity is the antagonist of faith. You don't need faith for the familiar. You don't need faith for the mundane. You don't need faith to, to accomplish something you know the outcome will what the outcome will be. You don't need faith to have all of your ducks in a row. And so familiarity is actually the enemy of faith. The more that you dwell in familiarity, the the less you are moving in faith. But the more you move in faith, the more that you will push into the unknown. The more you move in faith, the more you push back the boundaries of what you think is possible. You actually push back the boundaries of potential because you're no longer satisfied with familiar. but it starts with us changing the narrative, changing the story. What if this fails? Change the story. What if it succeeds? What if it doesn't work? What if it does work? The narrative that you tell yourself will give you the outcomes you're fearing. But if you tell yourself that narrative, if you tell yourself, declare to yourself, David said it this way, behold, I declare a new thing. The reason that we're, we, we get stuck in the old thing is because we've not, behold, I declare a new thing. And, you know, we're waiting for God to drop the new thing into our lap. He's waiting for you to declare the new thing into your lap. We're waiting for opportunity to come and sit right here on the front row on our lap. Opportunity doesn't stop. You guys realize this. Opportunity doesn't stop. Opportunity doesn't have time to stop. Because what opportunity does is it takes the stagnant and it uh, brings the stagnant into motion. And so any area of of timidity, when timidity uh, meets opportunity... Opportunity can propel timidity forward. Opportunity can take you from where you're at and move you forward, because opportunity doesn't stop. And there are times, yes, it's hard to hear, but there are times when we miss opportunities, but God's so gracious to send us other opportunities. But what if we would have grabbed onto that one? You guys are quiet. So we have to change the narrative, change the declarations to ourselves, because if opportunity walks by, we can't afford to say that's not for me. Obviously, we pray, we take opportunities to the Lord, but I, I, I'm just I'm I'm talking broad here. Opportunities come opportunities that God sends to you, they're designed to propel you forward in your destiny. They're designed to push you into unfamiliar territories. Because if you're in an unfamiliar territory, you're probably moving in faith. If you're stuck in something that's familiar, if you're stuck in everything, uh, everything that you're, you're in, if you can explain it, it's probably not in faith. Because what we have done is we've reduced this big giant God into something that we can explain. We've reduced what God can do to only what we can explain. Only what we can describe. Only what we can lay out. And if God can only fit in what you can describe, you have just limited Him to your vocabulary. Somebody got free on that one. <laughs> if you limit God to what you can describe, if you limit him to what you can describe, you put him in a box. Now one one thing I love I love I love to Instincts. Anybody ever just studied instincts? So I might be weird, but just instincts—just the ability to to do something without thought, without act, with, without even—you know—you ever done something where it bypassed your mind and you just did it, and it's like, what happened? Instincts, you know, a lot of times instincts come natural. A lot of times instincts are learned over time. You know, athletes, they, they develop instincts in the middle of the game because of repetitive practice, because of they, they practice day in and day out, and they, they have developed muscle memory, they've developed instincts, they've developed, uh, you know, a characteristic to where when a situation comes, they, they just respond without processing. Does that make sense? and it's it's you know a lot like the christian life is is we we develop disciplines so that when when god moves we can respond without a whole lot of processing because it just this is what he's been doing our our yes is a yes because the the instincts we we are instinctively bent towards accomplishing destiny you were instinctively bent towards accomplishing destiny. You were instinctively bent towards your purpose. It's, it's, not, it's not the other way around. You know, God didn't destine you to be born insignificant or insignificant. He didn't destine you. But when God, you know, fashioned you in your mother's womb, he put significance inside of you. He put destiny inside of you. He put his DNA inside of you. So when you took your first breath, you breathed in destiny. You breathed in potential. You breathed in purpose. It's what He wired into your DNA. It's what He has for you. And so instinct, your instinct, your God-given instinct is bent towards your destiny. Instinct is quite different than urges. I I have an urge to have fried chicken. I have an urge to use the restroom. I'm I'm joking, but I'm just saying. You you have urges. Urges can come and go. It's it's moments of of temporary passion, so to speak. You know, all of you who have heard Jim's skit last night. You know, the urge to go to the restroom can be a very strong force. But it's an urge. It's, it's different than an instinct. An instinct is, is what God has wired in you that it's bent towards destiny. So that when, when God shows up, all of a sudden you begin to come alive. When, when God opens a door and you walk through it, it, you feel more alive than you've ever felt in your life. When God shows up and he gives you an opportunity, it's, it's something that, that, you know, the old song, it is well with my soul. You, you just feel it. You know it in your knower, not because you've learned it, not because you've been trained in it, uh, it's because you have, you have been bent towards destiny. God's wired some instincts in you. And for our instincts uh, to, to propel us towards destiny, uh, we have to begin to tell a narrative, begin to de- declare a new thing in our lives that is lining up with our instincts and what God is telling us to do. Does that make sense? When we tell ourselves a hopeless narrative that that something will not work, or this will never happen, or I can never become this because of this, when we begin to tell ourselves narratives like that, we actually have to delete or try to overcome the instincts. You have to begin to, to speak those things louder than what your instincts is telling you. There's something you have to overcome internally to actually begin to start that narrative because you were not destined to carry that narrative. You were destined, destined to carry a narrative that says you were more than a conqueror, that you were victorious in all things. You were destined to carry a narrative that says that God has, has uh, you know, said no weapon formed against you will prosper. And so you don't have to play the victim. You can pl- begin to tell a narrative of a victor. And it doesn't mean that there will not be a weapon formed. But the promise is it will not prosper. And so if you focus on a weapon that's been formed but will never prosper, you are all you're doing is you're sitting there and allowing yourself to be beat up. Instead of standing up, taking that devil's weapon, You have to begin to change your narrative. You have to begin to change your declarations and what you declare over a thing. And so instincts are really important. When our our story lines up with our instincts, potential happens. Passion is fulfilled. Purpose is realized. Instincts are very important. You know, I, I... I started to say this earlier, but, you know, when you, when you study instincts and instincts of animals, and, you know, my kids are, are homeschooled, and so we do a lot of weird things now. And it's awesome. But when you look at the life of, of sea turtles, all of you are like, is he really going here, sea turtles? I'll give you a little homeschool lesson, I'm just kidding sea turtles have a natural instinct. So here's what the the mama sea turtle does. She comes up on shore about 50 to 100 yards up on shore in the sand and she digs a very deep hole and she lays a whole bunch of eggs and then she buries the eggs. Now when the sea turtles hatch some some days later, the sea turtles hatch, they actually, they start with a struggle. If they choose to stay where they're at, they will never fulfill who they are. And so they actually have to dig through the sand, dig up, and instinctively, without any uh, mama there, without any papa there, they instinctively know, I've got to get to the water. No matter what the obstacle, no matter how, messed up the sand is or how little johnny sandcastle's in the way they they do whatever they can to get into the water because instinctively they know that is where the place where destiny is fulfilled and so just because you were born into a situation just because you were raised a certain way doesn't mean that you have to stay there just because you, uh, you, life has handed you uh, maybe some, some bad chips, so to speak. But that doesn't mean that's your life. You have to choose to dig up out of that mess and, and move instinctively towards destiny. I want, I'm going to read a passage here. Try to open this up just a little bit more. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to First Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, for those of you that are already there, know we will not be talking about Jezebel. Many of you know the story of Elisha and Elijah. Elisha was the successor of Elijah. And God gave a command to Elijah to go to this man named Elisha. He was going to be a successor. Now Elisha there wasn't a whole lot the Bible doesn't really describe anything really special about him. His narrative was that he was plowing in a field. He was plowing in a field. And the Bible doesn't go into great detail, but I, I, would, I would venture to say the reason he's plowing in that field with those oxen is because that's what his dad did. Generally, in that time period, you did what your father did. You took over the family business. And so here we have Elisha who is, has picked up his father's plow and he's plowing. It says that he has 12 oxen and he's plowing. And I'm going to uh, pick it up in verse 19 here. And this is talking about Elijah. It says, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the uh, the son of Snapfat. That was probably the early form of Snapchat. I know you were all thinking that. Who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. Now, now, what's happening here? So we have Elisha who is doing what his, his father has always done. He is moving in the familiar. It takes no faith, as we said earlier, to move in the familiar. And so he, he's there plowing with 12 oxen. He's a relatively young man at this, this point, and he's probably th- having some thoughts of, this is, this is the rest of my life. This is just what it's going to be. Walking behind these 12 oxen. And when you're behind 12 oxen, you've got to remember, the 12 oxen, they eat a lot, and they a lot. And so you're not just walking behind them, you're dodging. It's a really crappy narrative. So he, he is just, just doing what he's doing. But I, I believe that Elisha internally knew that there was something more for him. I believe that Elisha internally he knew that there was something greater than to just walk behind twelve oxen for the rest of his life. That's not. It's not to say that there aren't people who are called to do that. My brother-in-law he is called to be a dairy farmer. He's got like two hundred cows. He knows them all by name. It, it's amazing. You know, I I I just I want you to know that that just because. There are people who are called to do that, and he's, he's one of them. He's one of the most integrous men I've ever met. Uh, there's a, a company that, if I mentioned its name, you would all know the company, uh, approached him and said, hey, if you just sign this form and say that you feed your cows this, we'll give you all this business. And he said, I can't do that because that's not what I feed my cows. And he turned down all of this business. You know, there, there are people who are called to that. But I, I, I believe Elisha knew that there was something more in his life. He knew that there was, there was a, this was not what he was born for. You guys understand? It's not what he was born for. I, I believe he was telling himself that narrative internally. I believe he had instinct because of the, what he was telling himself. He had Instincts. And so because he told himself that there was more, because there was an instinct towards destiny, opportunity began to knock at his door. When those things line up, opportunity comes. And here was the opportunity. The opportunity was Elisha departed from there and found him who was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. Opportunity passed by him. Opportunity passed by him. When opportunity passes by potential, look what can happen. When opportunity passes by pent-up passion, pent-up potential, Unrealized potential. We have Elisha who comes out and does double the miracles of Elijah because opportunity met potential. But here's what I love about Elisha is his God given instinct caused him to follow without a command. His instinct caused him to follow without a command. I want you to think about that. Nobody told him to follow. Nobody said, Stop what you're doing. There wasn't a a sermon about faith in this moment for him to leave everything that he knew was familiar and, and follow this guy he just didn't even know. He followed without a command. So what's that mean for us? It well it it means that there you're waiting for God to tell you what to do and he's waiting for you to do something that he can bless. We're we're in this cycle of of you know, well I need 15 confirmations and I need you know, I need do to fall on the the fleece and I need then I need do to fall everywhere else but the fleece and then He followed without a command. There was no one saying, you should do this. It was his instinct, his God-given instinct. He knew that, that this, when opportunity walked by, he was not going to let it pass him by. He threw his mantle on him. He threw his mantle on him. What I think happened is Elisha got a glimpse of destiny. Have you ever had a glimpse of destiny? You ever had a glimpse of, "This is what I was born for? Just a glimpse, just enough to keep you hungry, just enough to keep you thirsty. But a glimpse. And I believe that's what happened to Elisha. He had a glimpse of his destiny. The, the, Elijah's cloak was thrown on him, and he, and, he, and he felt it for a second, and he said, "You know what? I think I'm called to be a prophet." Because opportunity met potential, and he moved towards it. He tasted greatness. He tasted what he was born for. And opportunity is coming. Opportunity is knocking. Some of you might be faced with some opportunities right now. And you need to ask yourself some questions. Is the dialogue that I'm telling, is it hopeless? Or is it full of hope? Is the dialogue that I'm telling myself, the declarations that I'm saying about this situation, about this circumstance, is it causing faith to rise? Or is it snuffing faith out? Is it causing faith to rise? Or is it causing the familiar to rise? And we've got to ask ourselves those questions, those tough questions sometimes, of what, what is, yes, what is God saying, but what am I declaring that's attracting what God's saying? What, what language am I using? What, what narrative am I telling myself? What, uh, what stories am I telling myself? Am I feeding myself on testimonies? Am I feeding myself on what God is doing, or am I all focused on what He's not doing? Is your internal narrative, is it causing faith to rise? There's a story, and there's a story of this boy. And uh, this boy, he was not born into a wealthy family. He he grew up very poor. Um, And this boy, he had a relatively hard childhood. He was beaten up. He was told by his parents, uh, mainly his father, he was told by his father that he was worthless. And there was actually uh, a point, I believe, the age of 13, he was told that he he wished he was never born. In the pivotal years, teenage years, stepping into that he was told by some of the most important people in his life that he was worthless and he wished he was never born. It caused a downward spiral. And more and more anger, more and more rebellion, um, all the while there was compassion for his siblings. And so this 13-year-old gets a paper route and, and starts working on this paper route uh, just to raise enough money so that him and his brother can play high school sports, because there was there was no money, and we were worthless, and we were not worth the money to explore childhood and what it meant to be a kid's and you know the story progressed uh, got progressively worse um, the the boy. You know, now a teenager, he was offered uh, scholarships to college, and decided that partying would be more fun. Partying would fill that void because of the narrative that he told himself: he was worthless, he didn't deserve those scholarships, he didn't deserve, he didn't deserve it. And so eventually, it led to uh, drugs and alcohol to fill a void it spiraled downhill very quickly in a matter of 2 years was pulled over was arrested impounded his car they threatened to there was uh, there was a threat to lose his job and uh, and so this 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 boy who was now a teenager, he, he had some decisions to make. He could keep reliving that narrative that he's worthless. Because a- everything he was doing was living up to what people said about him. Everything, his actions, just all they did, all they did was live up to what people said about him. And here's the thing about some people, they will always treat you how they met you. They will treat you how they met you. And so if they met you on the bottom rung of the ladder, it doesn't matter how high, high you climb, they will still treat you as if you were the bottom rung of the ladder. They will always treat you how they meet you. And so there, there's an overcoming that has to happen. There's an overcoming that has to happen. And and the, the narrative that you're worthless, that you're, you'll never amount to anything, that I, even the audacity to say to your son that I wish you were never born. To overcome that and begin to tell yourself a new story. And so this boy had a decision to make. He came to a point of, I can either... Keep telling myself that I'm worthless, I'll never amount to anything, or I can change my narrative and begin to declare that anything's possible. The boy's me. I did not have the best childhood, I was told that I was worthless. And for years, I told myself that. But I came to a point where I began to change my narrative. I began to say, there has to be something better than this. There has to be something More meaningful than this. There has to be something with more purpose. There has to be something more. And I began to to tell myself this. And then God met me. And I had an encounter with Jesus. It was like He walked by and He threw His mantle on me. And I had a choice. I could follow or I could stay where I was at. But when he met me, it was as if the creator and creation got reunited. And I had felt more alive than I'd ever felt. I, I, things began to stir in me that I'd never felt before. Purpose, potential, passion began to stir in me and I'd never felt those things. I'd always lived a very lackadaisical life. I I had never stepped out or stepped up with just about anything in my life. I was always the one in the background. I was always the one who said, you know what, there's going to be somebody better who can do it. And I told myself that. But as I began to change my story, as I began to change my narrative and the declarations I told myself, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity happened. And all I had to do was follow him. (laughs) I had the easy part. So I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter how bad You have painted the picture. Somebody can paint it worse. It doesn't matter how familiar. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. There is unrealized potential in this room. There's unrealized greatness in this room. And I feel like this morning that God is is graciously just tossing his cloak on us. He wants to give us a glimpse of everything that we were called to to be, everything that we were called to do. I don't know about you, but oftentimes what God does, and when I'm feeling discouraged in, in ministry, or I'm feeling discouraged in anything, you know, he'll give me a dream, or he'll paint me a picture, and it's me in 20 years. And it's Something that encourages and, and propels me forward because it, it's like just tossing that cloak and saying, Here's a glimpse. Keep going. Because I'm I'm making you into something. I'm doing something in you. And I just feel like this morning, you know, I, I was supposed to come and encourage you guys that number one, your story will produce the results that you want it to produce. If it's a victim narrative, it will produce more victims. If it's a victorious narrative, it will produce more victories. It will produce overcomers. It will produce greatness in you. And just because your destiny is concealed right now doesn't mean that it will never be revealed. Just because destiny is concealed does not mean that it will never move into the state of being revealed. So I want to encourage you guys this morning to to what's the narrative that you're telling yourself? Is there a situation that you've perpetually not seen breakthrough? Because we know God's intention is for breakthrough, right? Right? God's intention is for overcoming. God's intention is is a total and complete freedom. Uh, The whole word sozo, saved, healed, delivered, uh, be made whole, that's, that's God's intention. And so if we're not experiencing that in the circumstances that we have, then what are we telling ourselves? What are we declaring over that situation? What are we speaking into that? Are we speaking life? Are we speaking words that life can attach to, or are we speaking words that death can attach to? Are we speaking words that release hope, or are we speaking words that breed hopelessness? Because the very things that you say over those situations, you'll get the results that you're fearing. You'll get those results. So we have to change the way that we think. Change the way that we talk. We have to move from faith into the place of destiny. We have to realize that that the familiar is the enemy of faith. And when opportunity passes us by, if you miss it, it'll come again. But when it comes, we have to position our hearts to be ready to receive it, to be ready to grab onto it, to be like the the woman with the issue of blood that she told herself one story for 12 years, and she changed it in a moment, and she got her breakthrough. She changed it in a moment. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. There are people here that that if you could just touch him in a situation, breakthrough's going to come. That breakthrough that you've been praying for is gonna come. So I wanna encourage you guys this morning. Are you okay? Why don't you why don't you stand? You guys, just put your hand over your heart. Don't you just ask the Lord right now, is there is there an area where I have a story of hopelessness? Maybe it's an area that you've not seen breakthrough. And I want to just pray, and I want to ask God just to help us change that narrative. So, Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you that potential, we thank you that purpose, it's your idea, God, that, that you birthed it in every human being that you fashioned in their mother's womb. So, God, we thank you that it's your idea, we thank you, God. We thank you, just thank him that 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 purpose, that passion that you have is his idea. So God, we just thank you for that. We thank you that, um, Holy Spirit, that you have breathed over us. And when you breathed over us, you breathed out purpose. You breathed out passion. So we grab onto it. Like the woman with the issue of blood who grabbed onto the hem of your garment, we grab onto what you're releasing, God. We grab onto it, and Lord, those narratives that we tell ourselves, those declarations that we speak, those uh, the way that we describe a situation or a circumstance, and if the way that we describe it, if it breeds hopelessness, God change the way we describe it. Change our language about it. Change our mind about it, God. So we just pray right now that you would infuse hope into hopeless situations, God. That you would release a goodness uh, realized in areas where it's not been realized before. Lord, areas where we feel like it's been stagnant. We feel like it's not had movement. And we feel like that there's been a holding back or a weighing down. Right now, we break it open in Jesus' name. We release breakthroughs through, breakthrough in Jesus' name because the story is changing hope is being released passion is being realized God let us be like Elisha that when opportunity passes us by we, we sell everything the Bible actually describes that he killed all twelve oxen cut them up into pieces and fed them to everyone else He was shutting the door so he could never go back to the familiar. He was shutting the door so he would never go back to familiar. The reason why God used the Red Sea, he didn't use the Red Sea just to kill Egypt. He used the Red Sea as a door to shut so that Egypt, you know, Israel could never go back to Egypt. So, God, we right now. Those unhealthy familiar areas of our life that we have held on to, that we have anchored ourselves into those unhealthy familiar areas, we break that anchor right now. We break that anchor right now, God. We right now, we snap out of the orbit of ordinary. We snap out of the orbit of ordinary. We just declare that you were born for the extraordinary. You were born to be great. You were born to... to. Uh, to bring nations to His feet, you were born to raise up businesses. You were born to to have marriages that prophesy the destiny of God, the, that prophesy the love of Jesus. You were born to have children that that would become world changers and future leaders. You were born to 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 carry significance you were born to be ambassador of Jesus on this earth and release his kingdom into your sphere of influence so god right now any hindrance to that we break it in Jesus name we just right now we just rebuke the lies that the enemy tells us the lies that try to fuel a unhealthy narrative a a hopeless narrative we break those lies right now in Jesus name we take every thought captive Here's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to take thoughts. And then what we do is we take thoughts and we turn them into stories. The enemy will plant a thought. This person, they don't like you. And then you make up a narrative of all the reasons why they don't like you. So God, those thoughts that the enemy plants, we just take every thought captive. We just break every plan of the enemy to cause division. We break every plan of the enemy that keeps us snapped into the orbit of familiar. So we just speak over everybody here, God. Break out of your box. Break out of your box. That's God's heart for you. That's God's word for you right now. Break out of the box. Break out of the box. Some of you in this room, God's told you to write a book and you've not wrote it because you've told yourself that you're not good enough to write it. Some of you have not produced music because you don't believe you're good enough. You've not started businesses because you don't believe you're good enough. Or you've told yourself a narrative that what if I fail? We just break off those lies right now in Jesus' name. We break off those lies in Jesus' name. We declare over you a new story. And as we declare the new thing, we delete the old thing. As we declare the new thing, we delete the old thing. So God, we thank you. We thank you for grace that empowers us to move forward. We thank you for grace that empowers us to realize opportunities and grace that allows us to seize the day. (laughs) So I just declare over you, seize the day. In Jesus' name, amen.